Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Can we welcome all of our campuses, Brookfield Campus, Appleton Campus, online, Germantown, Milwaukee, all of our campuses. One church, multiple locations. Also want to say hi to my mom. Hi, mom. She, she, she told me she was going to watch today, so I had to be on my best behavior. So I had to cut some of my notes out because there were some stories about her I was going to tell, but I'll, I'll wait till next week, all right? Uh, today we're in a brand new series called Forgotten God. I hope that you will be joining me uh, throughout the course of this series. I'll be coming back next week and the, and the following weeks to kind of unpack some of this. If you have your Bible today, I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, and then we're going to go to the book of John. So I'm going to give you multiple verses today. This is one of those kind of take out a pen and piece of paper or just kind of keep your notes going there on the... Uh, on your, on your phone. But um, as we're talking about forgotten God, we're talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, much is said about who God the Father is. Uh, much is said about who Jesus is, and, and rightfully so. But we believe that, that the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all the three in one, that that's called the Trinity, the triune Godhead, that God displays himself, God uh, presents himself as three distinctive individuals, all persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, but also as one. And we see this, again, I don't have time to unpack all the Trinitarian theology, but it begins in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1, and God said, let us, plural pronoun, make man in our, plural pronoun, image, and in our, plural pronoun, likeness. So, and, 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 and the spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. So the Holy Spirit is present. Jesus is present. The father is present all the way through. Now, how the Holy Spirit manifests himself, how the father manifests himself and how the son manifests himself throughout scripture is again, is a journey and another conversation in and of itself. But we talk a lot about who God, the father is, and we talk a lot about who Jesus is, but we don't talk a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do today and the next couple of weeks is talk about who the Holy Spirit is. Who is he and who is he, but also who is he in your life and how does the working of the Holy Spirit work in your life? Now, anytime I do this sermon series or we do a series about the Holy Spirit, it always brings up a lot of questions. It always brings up a lot of, of, uh, of just like, hey, I'm interested in this and I don't really understand about that, which I love. Questions are not a bad thing, okay? Questions are a good thing. You're, you're never going to ask a question. You may ask a question that I can't answer. There, there's a lot of questions I can't answer. Yeah, like which, which pizza is the best pizza? I, I'm still debating on those, right? But, 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 there, but there are things like um, theological questions. I mean, but, but God's never sitting up in, in, in the heavens going, I never thought of that. Can you get back with me on that one? And so I, 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 that's the reason why we have the Bible. It's the reason why you get into the Bible and you kind of unpack it and you kind of... So as we go through this series, you're going to have questions. It's great. It's awesome. Talk to me. Talk to your campus pastor. Uh, talk to any of the pastors that are on staff. They're fully versed in all of this. They can give you chapter and verse and, and we can walk through this. But I, I really want to talk not just about who the Holy Spirit is, but the value of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is not just meant to be like a, a theological lectureship that we're, where I'm doing, and I'm going to just kind of unpack it the next three weeks. I really want to talk about how does he work in your life? Because the power of the Holy Spirit 
is most present for you and I today in the here and the now, not in the sweet by and by. Here and now, this is the value of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus will unpack. We're going to unpack this next couple of weeks. And John's Gospel, chapter 7, that the value of the Holy Spirit is to give you power to live for Jesus and to be a witness in the entire world. It's what gives you strength. It's what gives you the ability to fear not, as Jesus would say, more than any other phrase he said. It's what gives you the ability to be able to live the life for Jesus that you desire to live. It's what gives you the ability to raise your family and have a godly marriage and build godly businesses and, and everything that you do in the world in which we live in to do that. And so this is not just something that, oh, this is a great Sunday school type lesson. No, this is something that I think has huge, huge, huge take home Monday through Friday, so what? How does this apply to me when I'm picking my kids up from soccer practice or I'm going to meet a client or I'm having to go to the office again or I'm just going along and I'm doing my daily devotions? How does this help me? I'm so glad you asked that question. That's what this series is all about. So I wanna talk to you today about who the Holy Spirit is. This isn't in your notes, but but this is a great place to start. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It's a person. So the Holy Spirit is a, it's, it's, it's the third member of the, of the Trinity. So the first statement I want to give you about who the Holy Spirit is, the Holy Spirit is a promise. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. The Holy Spirit is a promise. The Holy Spirit was promised to us. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4, it says, And while they were staying with him, with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, he being Jesus but to wait for the promise of the Father for which he said, you've heard of me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. So the Holy Spirit, Jesus sets it up right here in Acts chapter 1. The Holy Spirit is a promise. The Holy Spirit is promised. And, 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 and the Holy Spirit is promised for us to have power uh, to be witnesses, to live for Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Let's put that in our context. It's, it's, a, it's the power to be a witness in your local community, in your county, in your state, in your nation, and in your world, wherever that may be. God makes two promises in scripture for people that believe in him. The first promise that he promises for those who believe in him is forgiveness of sin. Jesus said, if you believe in me, I will take your sins away. If you believe in me, I will forgive your sins. If you will confess your sins to me, I will take your sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west. The second promise that we find in scripture, what what God says to those who believe in him is a filling of the Holy Spirit. These are the two promises that we have in the New Testament, the forgiveness of sin and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the question that I get, and again, I'm trying not to really geek out on this because I could go back to John chapter 7, to John chapter 14, then take you to John chapter 20, then all the way to what Luke's writing, and it, you can imagine, right? You're like, I, 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 I. Okay, so I'm just trying to keep it where we all are. I get this question about the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because right there, Jesus says, wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Were the disciples who were followers of Jesus waiting, going to be waiting in the upper room, were they filled with the Spirit of God? 
Well, we know they are because John chapter 20 says, after Jesus dies for the sins of humanity and he reveals himself to the disciples, he breathes upon him, the Bible says, and, he, and they receive the Holy Spirit. So, so there is this filling of the Holy Spirit, but then he tells them to wait for a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't have time to unpack all of that today. Matter of fact, I'll be doing that in a, in a couple of weeks. But I want to show you, just kind of illustrate, this is the easiest way to do this. Again, I was a youth pastor for a decade, so bear with me here. But this is kind of the easiest way to show you the difference between baptism of the Holy Spirit and infilling of the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says, Jesus says in John's Gospel, chapter 7, that the Holy Spirit, one of the representations of the Holy Spirit is living water. And so this little cylinder here would represent your life and my life. This represents the Holy Spirit. So at salvation, when we ask Jesus Christ to come into our heart and into our life, the Holy Spirit fills us. So we are filled with the, with, with the Spirit of God. The, the John's gospel says it very clearly in John chapter 14, John chapter 16, John chapter 20. We see this evidence. I mean, it's just brimming over. It's just right there that the work of what Jesus Christ did on Calvary's cross, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we confessing our sins and him forgiving of us of our sins and giving us eternal life. That is sealed by the work of the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, the spirit of God, the power that raised Christ from the dead, Paul says, now dwells within us. We're completely full. With the whole, we're full. That's all you need to get to heaven. That's all you need to, 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 to have Jesus as Lord of your life. That's all you need. I mean, that's, that's what you need. That's what Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, when Jesus lives in your heart, how does he do that? Through the promise of the Holy Spirit. So you're filled with the Holy Spirit. But Jesus tells them after John's gospel, chapter 20, he tells them, he tells them before he ascends to the right hand of the Father, we just read it in Acts chapter one, I want you to wait and then you're gonna be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So it's a second action, a second active uh, work of the Holy Spirit, a second definite work of the Holy Spirit after salvation. So what's the difference between being filled with the spirit of God, you're completely full and being baptized. The Bible, again, you go back to what Jesus says in John chapter seven, that when the Holy Spirit comes, it'll be like streams of living water and the Holy Spirit will not just fill you, but he will consume you so greatly that it will overflow in your life and every area of your life and how you live your life and how you deal with your marriage, how you deal with your kids, how you deal with your parents, how you deal with your life, how you deal with your business. And that water will overflow like streams of living water that will flow forth. He's quoting Isaiah here, will flow forth from your belly, from the innermost part of your being. And it will completely fill you. It will completely consume you. And it will completely baptize you completely. So this is what Jesus means by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Salvation, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I have all of Jesus that I need to get to heaven. I'm in right relationship with the Lord. But there is another dimension of the Holy Spirit that we read about, and it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are people that would debate whether the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for today that's a whole other conversation, but there, 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 is, there is like, hey, is that for today? Was it just for the disciples? I'll get to that. Not today, but I'll get to that. But no one debates in the first century the book of Acts and what Jesus is saying that it happened just like this, just the way that the Bible read it. So if you want to know more about this, on March the 16th, Wednesday night, 6.30 p.m. at the Germantown campus, I'm going to talk specifically about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna talk about what happens, 
how it happens, and if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of what we call a Holy Spirit night, a Holy Spirit encounter. It's going to be pretty simple. I'm going to set it up in such a way that I'm going to do about a 45-minute lecture on the subject, a teaching, and then I'm going to give you chapter and verse. Then I'm going to open it up for questions. And then we'll take a break. And so if you're just like, hey, I just want to come and audit the class. I just kind of want to come and hear what you've got to say. I don't really know if, I, if this is, some of this is brand new to me or I'm curious. Great. Come, be a part. And then you can be free to, free to go. And then, and then we'll come back together and just have a prayer time for people that go, you know, man, I am filled with the Spirit of God, but I want this baptism experience. Again, March 16th at 6.30 p.m. at the Germantown campus. I encourage you to come be a part. The Holy Spirit is a promise. And it's, it's, it's a promise to believe, not just a doctrine that we receive. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. According to scripture, the Spirit speaks. Again, I can give you a chapter and verse on all of this. That's Acts 13, 2. He makes decisions, Acts 15, 30, 28. He prays for us, Romans 8, 26 and 27. He convicts us of sin, John 16, 8. Uh, he, he can be grieved, Ephesians 4, 20 excuse me, 4.30, he can be lied to, Acts 5.3. He is a person. So, but I, what I want to show you here is John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And I would encourage you, if you're like saying, hey man, I, I'm kind of really wanting some more, like could you give me some, some reading, some extracurricular work uh, that I can't do during the week? Begin to read the Gospel of John. Begin to read the Gospel of John and read it uh, from the perspective of, of the Holy Spirit, to see the working of the Holy Spirit, to see when Jesus is talking to the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's, John's gospel is probably the most succinct, easy read, uh, kind of a Sunday morning news edition of the gospels that you'll have. But Jesus talks more, John gives more insight to who the Holy Spirit is and how he works uh, than any of the other four gospels. But John chapter 14, verse 25 and 26, Jesus says, these things that I've spoken to you, speaking to the disciples, while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I've said to you. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he's, and he's referring now to what we just read in Acts chapter one, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I've said to you. So that Greek word, again, the, the, this, this gospel of John would have been written in Greek in the original language, parakletos, means helper, comforter, advocate, counsel for defense. So he's the helper, he's the comforter, he's our advocate, he's, our, he, he's the one that pleads our case, he, he, he's our counsel for, de, uh, for defense. Just as, you, as, the, as God the Father and God the Son have distinctive roles, so does the Holy Spirit. I love what uh, Dr. Charles Stanley, pastor of First Baptist in Atlanta, says that the Father creates a plan and the Son implements the plan, but the Holy Spirit administrates the plan. The Father creates the plan, the Son implements the plan, and the Holy Spirit administers the plan. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's one that walks alongside you. He's one that leads you. And next week, I'm going to talk about the workings of the Holy Spirit. Exactly what is that relationship between you and God through the Holy Spirit in your life? How does that work? How does that? It, the easiest way for me to explain it would be like um, a navigational device. 
like an OnStar system in your car or a smartphone that tells you exactly where you are and then you're trying to get to where you feel like God wants you to be and the Holy Spirit gives you the best route to get there. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit gives you, gives you the directions to get there and if there's some type of a detour and you, whether you get off the, off the road or, or, or there's a problem that, that seems to take you off the road, he reroutes you, he recalculates and he keeps you right there just in step with where you're supposed to be to get to your final destination. That's the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so does God speak through his word? Absolutely. But God also uses the Holy Spirit to illuminate God's word. We just read it right there to bring back to our remembrance. So when I'm reading the Bible, when I'm doing my soap, my scripture observation, application and prayer, for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, we're not talking about taking a bath. Amen. But uh, when I'm doing that and I'm reading that and I kind of go, man, I don't know that I'm really retaining much. I don't know what you're doing is, is you're, you're depositing the word of God deep into your heart. You're depositing the word of God into your heart. You're, it's, it's like a discipline. You're putting it into your heart. And then in those times and in those moments where man, all hell is breaking loose and you don't know what to do and you don't know what to say and you don't know what's in those moments then the Holy Spirit begins to bring back to remembrance all those deposits of God's word begins to illuminate all of those things of God's word he is a person that just as you, you that, 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 that leads you and guides you comforts you advocates for you and to you again we're going to pack this a whole lot more next week but he is a person the third characteristic today I want to talk about this, uh, this of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus in you. He's the presence of Jesus in you. This is how Jesus lives in you. This is something the disciples had a really hard time to understand until that day of Pentecost experience in the upper room that we read about in Acts chapter 1. If you look at John chapter 16, verse 7, John 16, verse 7, Jesus says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage, he's speaking to the disciples, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, here's what you have to understand. And we have a much easier time understanding this from the, that the Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus in us than probably the disciples did. So Old Testament, God first encounters his creation, Adam and Eve, face to face. We read the end of the book, book of Revelation, the end, when everything's over and done. And if anything should prepare you for what's happening in Revelation, what you've just seen on your TV screens and, and online this week. In the last days, we're living in those last days. And so the truth of the matter is, but at the end... God will interact with his creation, you and I, just as he did with Adam and Eve, and, and, and there was no sin. And in that moment, God can sit down, and I think, you know, the Bible says he sat with him in the cool of the day. Growing up in the South, big front porches and rocking chairs and sweet tea, that's kind of the way I think it was, but that's just my own theology. But he sat with them in the cool of the day, and he talked to them. That's God's heart. Sin separates that. So God no longer has the ability to do that. And if you look through the Old Testament, you only have a couple dozen people who actually hear God's voice or actually interact with him at all. They were a composite group of leaders like Moses. Moses was not a priest. He was not a preacher. He was not a minister. That was Aaron's role. 
He was a leader. And God, God communicates to Moses in a way that he does very few. Then he had prophets like Elijah and Elisha. And, and, and he speaks to them in his voice, but he typically has, a, has an intermediary. It, it's an angel. It's some type of, 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 of person that comes, but, but, but it's not God completely. Because again, even when Moses encounters, encounters God on Mount Sinai, he, he, he can't, he got, the Bible says he saw the hinder parts of God. He, he, his face could not, his human ability could not interact with the true glory of who God is. Because of his faulty nature and the purity of who God is, the two could not stand in the same presence. And and even when he comes off of the mountain and he's before the nation of Israel, he has to cover his face because, because the glory of God was so great upon him and shone so great upon him that the people could not look upon Moses' face. There are these intermittent parts that you see, these, these snippets. And then when God begins to lead the nation of Israel, it's, 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 it's a cloud by day and fire by night. And they knew when to move the tent of meeting over those 20 years, those 40 years in the wilderness. They knew when to move that, uh, which the tent of meeting is where God's presence would be housed. That's where God would, would interact with man one time a year. Think about that. One time a year, God would show himself. One time a year, God would speak. You better be ready, man. You better not have a bad day on that day. You know what I'm talking about? And one time a year, and, and when it was time to move, then the cloud would move or, or the fire at night would move. And that's what would happen. And they would constantly be doing this. And then you go through the intertestamental period from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the book of Malachi, which is a minor prophet, to, the, to, to, to John, excuse me, Matthew's writing of Matthew's gospel. There's 400 years where God does not speak. He does not say a new or different word, period. Can you imagine? You want to talk about God not answering your prayers? 400 years. Longer than the United States of America has been a country, God did not speak. God gave no direction. God gave no new word, no anything. And then all of a sudden, the silence is interrupted by the cry of a newborn baby who was born of a virgin, conceived of by the Holy Spirit from God the Father. And for the first time since God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, God touched his creation. And Jesus walked and he talked and he lived. The Bible says he left the glory and the splendor of heaven and came to this earth and clothed himself in humanity and humbled himself to be in the form of a man. And these men that he's talking to, they, for three and a half years, lived their life every day with Jesus. He called them by name. He took fishing trips with them. He traveled with them. He ate with them. He slept with them. He worked with them. He laughed with them. He broke up fights among them. He called them out on their junk. You want to talk about conviction. Oh, my goodness. Could you imagine? And, and did all of this. And now he's telling them, I have to go. I have to go. 
I have to go. And they can't understand because all they understand is that God at the beginning in the cool of the day walked and talked with Adam and Eve. And there's only a select group, maybe a two dozen people in the entire Old Testament prior to Jesus being born that God ever talks to or interacts with. Think about that for a moment. There's no Bible. Now there is the, there, there is the law, but, but, but it, it wasn't relational the way Jesus was. It wasn't relational the way the, the New Testament is uh, of the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the writings of Paul to these young church planters and to these churches and, and to the moving of the Holy Spirit as God begins to work. It, it didn't have the same personal touch that the New Testament has. And all of a sudden, he's going to be gone? How are we going to touch God? How are we going to interact with God? How are we going to do this? We're no longer following Jewish orthodoxy. We're no longer going to the synagogue in this type of a fashion. We are, but, 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 you're, but you're messing it up, Jesus, because now we go through you and you're saying, and what do we do? And he says, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Holy Spirit will not come. But when I go, I will send him to you. And when the Holy Spirit comes, for the first time in human history, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit get to reside and interact with their creation, wherever they are, wherever they go, whatever they do for as long as they live on this earth. See, Jesus is limited. I know he's God, right? I know that and we can, we, we can, we can have a debate of the kenosis theory of the book of, of Ephesians to Jesus fully divest himself of his divinity or did he pick it up and all that kind of stuff. That's great for, but what we do know is that he's limited by a physical being and whom he came to this earth. So Jesus could not touch everybody while he was on the, on the face of the planet when he was here. He, he couldn't heal everyone. He couldn't, he couldn't, he could theoretically, but because he was limited in that fashion. There are other people when he calls Lazarus from the grave, there's other people in that graveyard that if he would have said, come forth, they would have all walked forth. Could you imagine that? But he has to be distinctive. He says, no, 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 I don't need anybody else but Lazarus. That one voice who spoke the world into existence called him from death into life. He's powerful, all powerful, but he's limited. But when the Holy Spirit comes, there's no limit to where God can go. There's no limit to what God can do. There's no limit. He will go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. And this is God's plan, is that he, doesn't, he no longer lives in the temples made by the hands of men. He doesn't reside in steeples and stained glass. He resides in the hearts and lives of men and women. He resides in people who call on the name of the Lord. They're saved. And now all of a sudden, your body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul talks about. So be careful where you go. Be careful what you say, because you now house the very presence of God. And they couldn't understand it. But Jesus knew what would happen. So today, my prayer for you is that we journey through this series, this Forgotten God series, is that you will seek and understand who the Holy Spirit is. That you will seek and that you will understand and allow Him, the Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter, the guide in your life that God wants him to be, that you will seek that. That you'll quit leaving the Holy Spirit here at church 
on Sundays or when you log off on your computer if you're watching online, but rather you will invite him into your life. You'll invite him the same way the disciples did to go and do life together. As you, as you walk along the road, as you get up, as you lie down, as you, as you are involved in recreational activities, as, as you're involved in work, as you're involved with your family, as you're involved in every decision in your life, you will invite him along because he's there. And I know the subject of the Holy Spirit can seem mystical, but he's not. We make it so much more complicated than what it is. And I invite you to study scripture for yourself. Begin to read the book of John this week. And if you have to, if you're one of those people that you just can't write or highlight in your Bible, Go get a copy of the Bible that you can. If you still can't do that, then just photocopy it. But go through and highlight, circle the numbers of times that there's references to the Holy Spirit and then contextually just look at it. You're not, you're not idiots, you're smart. You don't need a priest or a pastor to unpack it. And if you get snagged on something, holler at me. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Holler is a Southern word, Southern term for let's get together and have a cup of coffee and we'll talk about it. Part of the adventure is a discovery of who the Holy Spirit is and going on the great adventure. The Celtics in, in, the, in the Middle Ages called him Glas, which meant the wild goose. He will go where he wants to go. He will lead us where he wants to lead us. Are we willing to take the adventure or do you just want to sanitize Sunday morning Christianity that just you sing your kumbaya, you sing your songs and you go and all you want to do is live your life and you just want to go to heaven. But do you want to change your world? Do you want all that God wants for you to have? Do you want all of that? Then all I encourage you to do is don't get excited and shout me down. Just simply began to take the journey and study scripture for yourself. And pray, pray. Because some of you, some of what we're talking about is a little bit beyond your comfort zone because they didn't teach that in catechism and they, they, didn't, they didn't teach that in, the, in your confirmation classes and you didn't get that in Sunday school and, you, and, and, just, and that's okay. And you may go, hey, Aaron, I can go this far, but I don't know I can go that far. That, that's okay, it, this is, it's a journey. It's a journey. But I encourage you. God, palms up. I want to know more about who the Holy Spirit is. Palms up, God, I want the Holy Spirit, your presence to go wherever I go. Palms up, God, I want your Holy Spirit to be involved in my decisions. Palms up, God, I wanna make sure that this body that's a temple of the Holy Spirit, that is pure and clean before you as best as I can. Palms up, God, I want all that you have. And remember, don't forget, the Holy Spirit is given to us for today. Don't think, well, this is one of those things we can talk about when we get to heaven. No, 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 no. Not that the Holy Spirit won't be in heaven, he'll be there. But the power of the Holy Spirit for us is now. Why? Because this is how God's presence infills our life today. God's presence does not infill our life 
through a church service. We sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because two or more are gathered together in his name. Why is that important? Because those two or more that are gathered together in Jesus' name, the power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and 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 in you. And when we come together, that synergistic power becomes the sum becomes greater than the whole. That's the reason why if you're watching online, that's great, that's wonderful, I get it. But there's nothing like being in the church service on a Sunday morning. There's nothing like coming together and lifting high the name of Jesus because the power of the Holy Spirit that's resident in you, that's resident in me, it's alive and well. Father, I just thank you today for the person of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, that you are not contained in some algebraic formula. Oh God, you are higher than anything we can think. You are greater than anything we can imagine. God, you have no beginning and you have no end. Lord, for you are Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last. As John the Revelator wrote in the book of Revelation, that which is and is to come and forevermore shall be. And today, God, we just invite the Holy Spirit, convict us, comfort us, advocate for us, bring to our remembrance all that God's word has. Let us go on this, this adventure of a lifetime to follow Jesus. Let us not get into some sanitized Sunday morning Christianity that's just an insurance policy to keep us out of hell. But God, let us have something that wakes us up in the morning and puts us to bed at night. Let us have a power of God inside of us that's transformative, not just in our own life, but it reaches to the other person that we work with and to the other person that's on the other side of the counter. God, that's serving us coffee on a Monday morning to the person that's sitting to us in the car. Oh God, the person that's next to us on the plane. God, the person that we're, that, that, that we're just in, in a lobby with or maybe in an elevator with and all of a sudden, God, there's not anything that's weird, but it's just the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit. God, give us peace in the middle of the night. Give us joy that only comes from you. But help us, God, to seek you. Lord, you as a father love and we as your children seek after you. Not what you have to give us, but your heart. And your heart is not willing that any should perish. Your heart is, is that we would all come to repentance. Your heart is, is that all of us as your children would have a relationship with you, the Father. I'm reminded what you said, Jesus, an earthly father wanting to give good gifts to their children. How much more does a heavenly father want to do? And as an earthly father today, knowing my deep, intense desire to know my children and for them to know me, for them to be the most important relationship that I have on this planet. Oh God, that's your heart for us. And you express that and you perform that and you communicate that to the Holy Spirit. Speak to us today, speak to us in this series as we follow you in Jesus' name, amen.